Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to the Connecting Soul Beings podcast, offering you inspiration, tips, and learning about tuning into the language of your soul and gain a deep, intuitive understanding of your inner self, your guides, and the animals around you, so you are able to live from your heart with grace, love, and gratitude. We bring together spiritual leaders, energy healers, and awakened humans, so we are able to collaborate and help you feeling loved, joyful, and free by providing clear direction on how to connect soul to soul. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to another episode of the Connecting Soul Beings podcast. This particular episode was recorded during the 2018 Connecting Soul Being Summit. This summit contains 28 experts and thought leaders, and we created this event to help conscious, self-aware soul beings and animal lovers to have inspiration and practical guidance on how to feel connected and in alignment, filled with beautiful energy. You can also watch the videos of these episodes on our YouTube channel, which is listed in the show notes. Please enjoy. Hello and welcome back to another day here at the online summit Connecting Soul Beings. Today our expert speaker is Robin Shooter from Sydney, Australia. She is a health recovery designer at Empower Total Health. Today's conversation is around plant-based living and plant-based foods to nurture our body, which enables us to reach a high vibrational state so that we are fully connected to our body, to live from a heart-centered place supported by the nutrition that we feed our body with. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and enjoy this wonderful conversation. So exciting stuff because you're the first one that I have here. Um, who actually works with um, the body from a nutrition perspective. And that's really exciting for me. So um, I would love to share first with the audience that Robert and I are knowing each other for quite a few years now. (laughs) And um, we've worked together quite often and we've obviously also visited similar networks and other events. And I contacted Robin probably nearly three years now this month. Yeah. Three year anniversary for me this month being plant-based. That's really awesome. A big anniversary. Yes, exactly. So because I felt that the way I was nurturing my body through food was not the right way. And I was suffering a long time from a chronic illness and I felt I'm done with that illness. So we need to do something different and radical And also working with animals a lot and having them as my friends and really tuning into them. I felt there is no way I can consume them any longer. And so I heard about Robin. I've seen her in action in certain events and I felt a real pull to to connect with, with Robin. And she has helped me enormously becoming vegan, focusing more on my body and also dealing with certain emotions and things that are happening to be able to have solid strategies to work from my body perspective. Because mm-hmm. as we all know, we like to be in our head no. <laughs> too much. And as a spiritual person, I'm also very fluff sometimes because I like to go off with the fairies. 
but to be able to have someone like you, Robin, to, to tap into, to stay grounded and really work with the human body so that everything works together is just, it, it's, it's a gift in my eyes. And it's so enormously important um, to have that support from you. It's unbelievable. So thank you for that. And thank it you has, for being it here. It's my pleasure. You're, uh, I love working with you. And I guess I, I want to pick up on something that you just said because it reminds me of that very well-worn phrase that we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are spiritual beings. That's us at our essence. But right now, we have this human body. We are embodied creatures and we really need to take care of this body, not, not just the spiritual, okay? Mm-hmm. That, that spirit needs a home, at least while we're in this plane of existence. This is it. This is yes. the home. Exactly. <laughs> For a short period of time. Take good like, care yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So... And I know, you know, you've been a vegan for over 15 years now, I think. Not quite that long. I was, um, so my my vegan anniversary would be, it'd be coming up um, 13 years now. Yeah, must be nearly 13 years because my daughter is 13. And um, prior to that, I mean, I, I stopped eating animals when I was 15. But I, as in eating flesh food, eating meat, chicken, fish, but I still had a little bit of dairy, a little bit of eggs, you know, just decreased, diminishing quantities over the years until finally we just, we, by the way, I don't mean the royal we, I don't mean this, that there's more than one of me. I mean, my family yes. <laughs> decided as a family that we were going to go 100% plant-based. Yeah. And my daughter was uh, not quite one. So she's, she's 13 and a half now. Yep. Fantastic. Love it, love it. So with, with that process for you, what was the deciding factor to, to not consume animals anymore and even go that extra mile of, you know, cutting out all the, the dairy, including like your cheese and your milk and all those sorts of things as well? With the leather and, you know, all that sort of stuff yes. as well. But I'd love yes. to now to, to actually what we put inside our body. What was that actual step? Like what drove you to, to yeah. eat like that and live like that? You, you described uh, a few minutes ago your, your growing awareness as you began working with animals and tuning into animals until you reached that place where it just didn't sit right with you to actually mm-hmm. eat them. And mm-hmm. that, that was my experience at age 15, although... And look, this is going back a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly 47. So, you know, how, how do you remember something that happened over 30 years ago? But I have, I have this um, very, very distinct memory. When I was 15, I was sitting in my bedroom, at, you know, in my family home where I grew up. And I, I had always considered myself to be an animal lover. Mm-hmm. We always had dogs when I was growing up. We had mice. We I hand read budgies, and you know we were just always around animals. Yeah. And I loved animals. And I was a junior member of the RSPCA. And I remember one day I was reading their magazine. Um, it was called Wagley. I don't even know if it's still around, but it was it was the magazine that it, you you got if you became a junior member of the RSPCA. Yeah. 
And I don't think it was actually anything in that magazine because, as you know, it's not like the RSPCA promotes a vegetarian diet. But I, I remember just having this moment where I thought, hang on a minute, I can't be an animal lover if I eat them. Like there's just this fundamental disconnect. You cannot say... I love animals, I'm for the animals. If you're part of the system that that enslaves them, that tortures them, and that ultimately kills them. Mm-hmm. And that was my moment. It was just literally just that brick to the head moment where you go, I'm not living in alignment with my principles. I'm saying something about myself, but it just isn't true. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm an animal animal lover. And yes, I, you know, I love my dog and I loved my mice and my budgies and whatever. Um, but there's this whole other group of animals that I am behaving in the most un- unloving fashion toward because I eat them. Yes. Now, at that time, this was 1980, must have been around 86, 87, um, 86. And so there was no internet and there weren't even a lot of books around about animal ethics or vegetarian eating or whatever. So the whole dairy and egg side of it was not on my radar. My thinking was just that if they haven't died for me to eat them, then it's okay. And yeah. so that's why I went vegetarian, not vegan um, back then. I'm not sure that I even knew what the word vegan meant or whether mm-hmm. I'd even heard it at that age. It just wasn't in, in wide current. So it, from then it was this gradual progression of, of learning more and more about how animals were raised, um, the animals that I use in the food industry, and learning more and more as, as the years went by and there was an internet and there were a lot more books and so forth about the dairy industry and, and the egg industry. And really just getting to the point of A, a recognising that there was no ethical consumption of animal products. There, there, there just isn't. Like even if you're talking about, say, free-range egg production, well, the, ba- the male baby chicks are still going to be killed at birth mm. because they have no value to the egg-laying industry. So, so the cruelty is built in to yeah. the and, and, and ditto for dairy. I mean, there's no way around it. You, you can't allow that mother cow to keep her calf with her mm. after and let the calf, you know, nurse from her as as nature intended. That calf must be taken away. So there's 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 cruelty built into the system, and it's unavoidable. And the second realization, which came along with my my nutrition studies, was that we don't need it. We don't need to eat meat. We don't need to eat chicken or fish or eggs or dairy. There is no requirement for any of those foods. So if I don't need it to to survive and thrive and my kids don't need it and there's no ethical way of sourcing these foods that's it mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're out of my life those animal foods are out of my life yeah yeah and it makes sense then you know the way you say that and what you've learned i mean it makes sense to to discontinue you know um, uh, i i guess i guess i'd add a third leg to that stool which is that which is that human health improves. It's not just that we have no no nutritional necessity for these animal foods. It's that our health improves when we cut them out. And so if you're looking, I suppose, for a more spiritual dimension of this, there it is right there. The thing that is best for the animals and best for the environment, we haven't even talked about that, that's a whole other area, oh, is yes. also best for you. Yeah. So isn't that something? 
there's no sacrifice. There's no giving up. There's no, there's no suffering. Your health will get better when yeah. you cut animal foods out of your diet and based your, your, your eating instead on whole minimally processed plant foods. Yeah. Wow. What a system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and that's exactly why I wanted to share this as well with the audience, because I know for me, it had such a positive impact not just on my body, but as me, as the human being and the soul being to mm. go plant-based, it has yeah. made a dramatic change in how I show up and how authentically I live. Because for me, it, it really felt like I was cheating the world uh, by continuing the way I used to. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and, to, to even tune it back to my, my body, um, yeah, it still has taken a little while. It's taken nearly three years. But I know that eating plant-based has made a massive impact on the disease that I used to carry around since 2006. Mm. So that it resulted now this year, since February, I have stopped the medication under guidance with my specialist so, you know, that my body is now able to look after it itself without the help of medication. And you know, it's still in the trial period and it's still, you know, but it's going very well. And that's really amazing. And I, I know that that has contributed to that um, significantly. See, fundamentally, the, the human body and I would argue the human mind is they're, they're self-healing. That... Yeah that movement toward health and well-being is written into every cell. It's written into our spiritual DNA as well. There is always a movement toward health. Until we take our last breath, our bodies are trying to function better. And yep. when you remove animal products and you put in the right plant foods, that mm -hmm. self-healing capacity is, it's not even that it's activated because it, it, it's active all the time, but the impediments to its operation are removed. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, you, you look at human physiology, we're built for plants. Yeah. The way that if people, people think of food in various ways. Um, uh, and I would argue we think of food in, in some inappropriate ways. So we think of food as, as sort of, you know, comfort or reward or whatever. And I'm not saying that we should all just eat grass and have boring meals, but I'm saying fundamentally the purpose of food is to nourish the human body. So food is a fuel. Food yes. is raw materials. It's building materials. And also food is communication. So every bite that we eat, when it's digested and metabolized by the human body, is communicating with our cells. And when you look at the way that plant foods communicate with human cells, and not just human cells, mm -hmm. but the bacteria that inhabit our, our bodies, especially the gut microbiome, when you look at the, the messages that go through to our cells and the non-human cells, when you eat plant foods, it's an entirely different set of communications to those that happen yeah. with people animal products yes. so when you eat plant foods the the information that goes through is inflammation cools down self-healing programs are activated um, aging programs are slowed down when people eat plant foods disease processes like atherosclerosis or clogging of the arteries these are overcome mm -hmm. when people eat a plant-based diet and it's largely because of, of, of the way that plant foods communicate with human and bacterial cells compared to the way that animal foods do 
Yeah, yeah. Wow, that, that's very powerful. Very powerful. So in terms of the communication, I like when you brought up that word because what we're aiming for here as well at the summit is to tap into ourselves and to connect and communicate with ourselves at a level that brings us a higher level of energy and to be at a higher vibrational level so that we can be who we truly are and really shine in that way. And I know this sounds a bit corny perhaps, but I truly feel that that's me as well. Because people always say, beaming with health. (laughs) That's really connected in, in that sense. So in your experience, how would a plant-based diet and really looking after your body impact reaching that high vibrational level? Wow, I'm so glad you raised this. All right, let's let's kind of let, let, let's start at the most basic kind of yeah. growth level and then work our way up. So over how long have I been in practice? 1995, a long time. <laughs> how many years is that? Uh, 20, getting on 24 years. The, the most consistent thing that people say to me when they switch from a regular Western-style diet to a plant-based diet, and, and granted, some people have withdrawal reactions in the first few days, okay? They, they, they can feel a bit cruddy and that has to be acknowledged. But after that, the most consistent thing that I hear is I feel lighter. Mm. that's a fairly nondescript vague term I f- but 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 it's consistent i feel lighter they feel lighter in their bodies they notice that after a meal they don't get all sleepy and pogged down they have more physical energy and that physical energy results in them wanting to engage in more health promoting behaviors like exercise and as people get more in tune with with their their physical body and its needs with the the, the need for for good food the need for sunshine the need for exercise then it's kind of like they start to move up the up the hierarchy. I think every, most people are familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yeah. right? So I'm kind of picturing something like that, that pyramid structure where, where having, um, having more energy, having more physical energy then causes you to sort of look around at your life and say, what am I doing? Like, does, does my present job or way of making a living fulfil me? How, how are my relationships? And so people just kind of move up that, up that, that pyramid um, as a consequence of the health benefits that they're experiencing from a, a whole food plant-based diet. And, and then at some point, it's like that, that, that um, spiritual drive that I think is built into every human being, that starts to wake up as well. Mm-hmm. So I see all of that as being really facilitated by being on a plant-based diet. Now, is every spiritual person on earth on a plant-based diet? Well, clearly no, but I think it's just easier. <laughs> it's just easier to wake up that side of yourself. And particularly if you love animals, then I, I think it's really critical because waking up to the fact that animals are exploited, enslaved, uh, abused, tortured and murdered and and not being in denial of those facts anymore is a really pivotal part of your spiritual awakening because your spiritual awakening is about facing truth, truth about yourself, truth about the world that you live in. And if you're engaging um, actively in that untruth, 
that's perpetuated in our society. So untruths about animal products being necessary for human health when they're not. Untruths about the notion that, that animals are well treated in agricultural systems when they're not. Mm-hmm. Untruths like humane slaughter, <laughs> a term that, I mean, I shouldn't laugh, I suppose, because it's barbaric, but how, how do you even wrap your head around the idea of humane slaughter? I would like to kill you, but don't worry, I'll do it as nicely as I can. Yeah. I mean, just, it doesn't make any sense. No. So when you kind of get yourself out of that system of perpetuating untruths, again, I think that's a really pivotal step in, in your own or step on the path of your own spiritual awakening. Mm. It's just about owning up, owning up to truth, owning up to reality. Yeah, definitely. And, and on top of that, I believe that, you know, because these animals have lived in such a way, and before they are going to be slaughtered, to name that horrible word, um, mm. they become traumatic, you know, and, and that energy is captured in their, in their body. And as humans, we consume that. And then we're surprised that we feel stressed and we create this ease and, you know, we feel really bizarre and weird and whatever else it is. I believe yeah. that we eat all of that and consume all of that as well at the same time. I think it was I think it was Tolstoy who said, "Well, ever there are slaughterhouses, there will be wars." There's there's just a, there's a direct link in in so many ways on multiple different levels on the way that we treat animals and the way that we feel within ourselves and the way that we treat other human beings. Yeah, passion starts with with the the least powerful. In, in society, the most voiceless, and that's animals. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's why I love what I do, <laughs> to be able to give them a voice, right? So, yeah, absolutely. And, and I believe that in the, same, in the same matter, you do that for the humans as well. Um, the way I experience working with you, and, and you, especially the wisdom that you have around this, is just absolutely amazing, that you help people give their body a voice. You know, do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. And again, I mean, in the same way that as a society, uh, we, we have learned to become disconnected to the truth about what we, how we treat animals. Most people are profoundly disconnected from their bodies. And mm-hmm. this, this starts in childhood. And it, it happens. I mean, it's not that parents wake up one morning and decide they're really going to mess the kid up, right? It's just that, you know, we, we have various cultural beliefs and most people are raised in such a way that they 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 suppress feelings and experiences that that are mediated to them through their bodies mm-hmm. and they grow up with the with the sense or the felt belief if you like that certain emotions are wrong and i guess the other thing that one of the elements of my, of my work that i find most gratifying is bringing to people's attention the fact that ambivalence is a normal human experience. So in other words, when people come to see me and they have a health challenge that they want to work on, most of them, by the time they get to me, they've done a little reading about it, they've got themselves relatively informed, and so they have a bit of an idea about what they should be doing, and yet they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. And the majority of people, they think that that means there's something wrong with them. They think that they mustn't have enough willpower or mm-hmm. that they're stupid or that they just haven't suffered enough. And 
to me, that's that's simply an ambivalence issue. An ambivalence is normal to human beings. So by ambivalence, I mean it's like on the one hand this, but on the other hand that. On the one hand, I don't want to have my health problem. Mm-hmm. I want to be well. I want to lose the weight. I want to get off my medications or whatever it is the person's dealing with. And so I understand that to do all of that, I've got to, you know, stop eating this and start eating that and do yoga and get to bed on time and all these other crazy radical things. Yeah. <laughs> like stop yeah. eating crap, eat fruit and veg, get a bit <laughs> regular physical activity and meditate. Whoa, that's so nuts. How could you say that to me? Exactly. <laughs> You're kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> that's dangerous, surely. Um, so on the one hand, they know all of that. On the other hand, there's there's a pull toward their pre-existing habits and all of the ways in which they've been brought up like the foods that they were brought up with as children that have an emotional significance to them or the activities that they participate in with their friends like drinking or um you know or smoking even and and so the ambivalence comes in where where people like well i want to change but boy change is hard well it is that's the reality. It is. Some changes are harder than others, but let, let's just be perfectly upfront about this. Change is hard. And if you're a person who's wanting to change but struggling with it, welcome to the human race. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just experiencing a normal human degree of ambivalence. And I think when the problem is reframed by that, people kind of go, Whew, all right, now I've got that out of the road. <laughs> I'm able to get started. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, that's fascinating too. Because even in 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 certain elements of um, you know helping people through things and with coaching and mentoring and you know even talking to animals and they tell me this is what I would like to see for the family that I live in to make the changes for them. You know, people say, "Yep, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do." But then nothing happens. Yeah, it's, it's almost yeah. like they're being too stubborn or proud or you know they know it better to not do it but they do themselves and in the long run the animals as well such a disservice by going down that path 100% and a big part of that is just failing to recognize the nature of ambivalence and mm-hmm. the fact that it is really intrinsic to human beings because we have multiple parts i don't mean in some sort of dissociative personality disorder kind of sense but, but we we have multiple parts we have multiple parts of our brain that um or multiple personality structures, if you want something more abstract than that, that, that pull us in different directions. So, you know, we, we, want, we want change, but we also um, fear it. We want the longer-term satisfaction of living in a healthy body that is... Yes let's face it, attractive. Most people Mm. want to be better looking. I think that's probably fairly normal and I don't knock that motivation. It's not as spiritual as some, but it'll do for starters. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the other hand, we also want the pleasure of that, whatever the heck it is that that we crave. We want that now. So that's what people are always kind of, that's that's the calculus that they run through. You know, how much do I want that? healthy outcome that I envisage versus how much do I want that Krispy Kreme donut right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's really tuning in as well to what would we like to create for ourselves that gives us the best experience possible. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's, that's something that I, I really tune into lately. 
if I do this, will that give me the experience? Will that give me, you know, exactly that, what I want to create for myself? Yeah. And once you, once you step into that and you really feel into that, the nutrition part just, it supports it. I couldn't really supports it. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite books that I often lend out to clients is called the pleasure trap by Alan Goldhammer and, and, and Doug Lyle. And the, the pleasure trap, I mean, it's an exceptionally good book. Many, many people yeah, have, have had their lives transformed from it. I, the, the primary thing that I got out of reading this book was really to, to understand and to focus on the, the differential between pleasure and happiness. So happiness is not a feeling. Happiness is a mood. Happiness, you might say, is a state. And we can be happy. I'm not talking about, you know, happy, clappy, kumbaya all the time. But we can be more or less happy on a consistent basis. Life happens. Challenges happen. There will be times when you don't feel happy. Um, but we can, be, we can be fairly consistently happy because while the, while the amplitude of happiness is is lower than the amplitude of pleasure the duration of happiness can, can be considerably longer whereas pleasure is like that short sharp spike okay so when you when you eat um um let me pick some other food that people go a bit gangbusters about okay chocolate when you eat chocolate you might you, you probably will if you like chocolate get a get a spike of pleasure like it's really intense yeah. <laughs> all the sensory elements of that and the chemical constituents of it like you're going to get that spike of pleasure how long does it last mm. it, it, chocolate does not make you happy contrary mm. to to the Cadbury's that promotes it as, as, as being the key to happiness, isn't it? I mean, they would, they sell the stuff, but, but it doesn't make you happy. Newsflash, everyone, chocolate doesn't make you happy. When you think about the happiest people on earth, they're not scarfing down chocolate all the time. They're engaged in, in meaningful activity. They have close ties with their community. They, many of them have a, a religious faith or orientation or some sort of spiritual practice. They're living meaningful, purposeful lives. They're taking care of their bodies in order that they can contribute more and live better. Mm -hmm. That's happiness, yes. not chocolate. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's something that I've, I've experienced myself before I decided to become vegan. I went on almost like a two or three year exploration journey on how food makes me feel and how food um, gets my body to work. Yeah. And one of the main things that I, I, I think back of quite often is how beef makes me feel. So for example, when I eat beef, I don't necessarily have that spike going into happiness, but yeah. it was enjoyment for me because I loved the taste. I loved yeah. the structure. Yeah. Some people might gross out, but I always felt the raw, the better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But within a time span of half an hour to an hour, I started to feel really seedy. Yeah. And no matter what, how well the beef was cooked, and, and I, I would compare it to having a bottle of wine, mm -hmm. that type mm -hmm. of seediness yeah. and weirdness. And yeah. so that was the first 
meat that I cut out straight away because I thought I don't want to feel like that anymore. And that that goes back to the communication that I mentioned before, like the way that an animal product communicates to your body, like the way the constituents of that communicate to your body. What a what a clear example of that you just gave where okay, you've got the pleasure. That's just right here. That's in the mouth. That's the, well, the mouth and the, and, and the brain. I mean, obviously, the pleasure centres in the brain are saying, oh, this is fabulous, you know, love biting into this, love the, love the taste, love the smell, you know, love the taste mm. about it. But that's, that's just so surface level. When that food actually gets into your body and begins communicating with your cells, there's a whole different picture that emerges. Yes. Absolutely. whole different experience yeah, yeah definitely definitely i love that you shared that that's that's brilliant yeah, yeah. It, it's it's one of these things you know that i, I sometimes think back of because okay being plant-based you often think back well i do anyway like why did i even eat that all the time you know and, and i have been through stages of going vegetarian not having the right education because you mentioned 1986 87 that was about the time i became vegetarian because i saw cruelty on tv and it was i can remember this very clearly it was on christmas day my mom had just cooked the most beautiful christmas dinner and this rabbit came on the table and i said to my mom i'm not having that and she said but you always eat me like it's fine you love it and i got not not having that so from that day i never ate meat yeah. Uh, yeah. i didn't know better and there wasn't the education around it and i didn't know how to really listen to my own body of how it feels i got sick so when i was about 2021 20, i had to go back to eating meats again yeah because yeah. my doctor told me to you're yeah. lacking in this you're lacking in that they didn't know any better oh look a so, it can be done wrong there's no doubt about it yeah. i see a lot of people on vegetarian and vegan diets who haven't got themselves educated and and are doing it wrong and their health suffers as a consequence so yes yeah yeah, yeah definitely. And I have to say, I wasn't I wasn't very well informed when I first went vegetarian, and I didn't I didn't enjoy a lot of health benefits from it. Um, I was I wouldn't say I was the world's worst vegetarian, but I certainly wasn't the most you know health oriented vegetarian. <laughs> when it's changed because for me it was just about oh I don't want to eat animals anymore, as opposed to yeah. how can I look after this body of mine in a way that that sort of supports and nurtures me so that I can, you know, get on with my work in the world, which is the way that I look at it now. It's kind of yeah. like um, I don't get caught up as, I don't get caught up with health as, as a means in itself. Health is a means to an end. Mm. Whereas I don't think health was even on the table at all for me back then. I guess it's not when you're 15. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I don't think I so. I think you've already had some serious health challenges, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I see health as being the means to an end. In other words, I I want to keep having the energy, the vitality level that I have now so that I can continue doing the work that I love and helping people until, I don't know, until I'm 95 or something. I mean, why not? Exactly, yes. I mean, these days we live longer anyway. So, you know, you don't want to be retired. Well, I don't see myself getting retired at 60, 65. <laughs> Retirement, what is that? <laughs> That's a strange word. <laughs> That's less than 20 years from now. Oh, dear. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's keep going. No way. Not doing that. <laughs> no way. And so, so yeah. So, I mean, 
being plant-based has had a major impact for me as well on how I connect with myself and with the spirit world and with the animals, because like you said before, people come up to you and say, I feel lighter, you know, even after the first couple of days, perhaps Mm -hmm. Um, for me, it gives me more clarity as well. Not just feeling lighter, but that, Mm -hmm. that, that cloudiness in the brain has completely disappeared. And I feel Mm -hmm. that when I meditate and when I really start to tune into me, my essence, then it's much more clear and the messages come come through easier um, yeah. so it has I, in that aspect a lot more benefit as well oh man i hear that a lot too aside from the feeling light to the other thing i hear the most from people is um the term that people often use is brain fog they'll say i just don't have yes. that brain fog anymore the right like i've got a bowl of porridge in my head rather than a brain you know <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I I think more clearly and I'm just I'm just more here. I'm more present. Mm. Yeah. And again, I mean, you know, we are these spiritual beings having a physical experience. So our our ability to connect spiritually is is very much grounded in in the health and well being of our physical bodies. I, I believe that anyway. Yeah, yeah. So when you yeah. nourish your your, your body um and, and, and you have that quality of physical energy, yeah, I'm, I'm convinced it translates to a, a greater quality of spiritual energy as well. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I totally agree with that for sure. So how would, how would someone start? Because I can appreciate that some people in the audience are not plant-based and probably most yeah. of the people in the audience are not plant-based. Absolutely. And quite a majority of them are plant-based. So I'm sure they're sitting here going, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah. So but for, for those... People are very curious um, to think, oh, let's dab into that. I would like to see what happens if I perhaps do that. What is the best way for them to start, perhaps? Yeah, I really like the crowding out strategy. In other words, where, where people will often get caught up um, or, or stuck, and this goes back to what I was saying before about ambivalence, is they the, the roadblock that they hit in their head is, is the notion of giving up. So, you know, giving up meat or giving up cheese or giving up eggs. So I love the crowding out strategy, which is where rather than giving up, you just say, I'm going to eat more, more vegetables, more fruits, more whole grains, more legumes. I'm going to eat more fresh and wholesome and delicious food, uh, foods as grown foods that look kind of like they did when they were hanging off a tree or off a vine or growing under the ground or somewhere or other. Um, So, in other words, crowd out the lower vibration foods, the less wholesome foods, the more highly processed foods, just crowd them out with the healthier foods. And as you do that, you'll notice, I love what you said before about tuning into your body and just kind of like, almost gauging or or measuring the response in your body to different foods. So notice how you feel after you eat fresh ripe fruits compared to after you eat a bowl of sugary cereal. Notice how you feel when you eat a big salad with a baked potato and some hummus on top compared to when you eat a burger. (laughs) Um, And and, and just, just start to crowd in 
all of these wholesome foods. And most people find that the more they move in that direction, the more changes they end up wanting to make. Because it's kind of like that that immortal scene in in When Harry Met Sally, you know, where, where she's faking orgasm in the, in the, in the restaurant and, and the woman goes to signals the waiter, I'll have what she's having. Well, you want to have more. You know, it's like, I want to have more of what I'm having. <laughs> I want to have more energy. I want to have more clarity. I want to have more of that peaceful, happy gut after a meal rather than that feeling of, of you know, having swallowed an elephant and then it takes, you know, 16 hours to digest. <laughs> um, so you just, you just feel better and you want more of that. And that tends to just, you know, lead people along the path rather than, having them sort of, you know, feel like they've, they've, they've got to be dragged along it, kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and you reminded me um, when you talked about the journal to write it down, um, to keep that diary, because that's what I did in the beginning as well, was to, to keep the diary on how you feel and actually recognize, hey, I'm actually starting to feel much better as well. Yes. Black and white. Um, Absolutely, because humans, the, the nature of being human is that is that we, we forget pretty quickly mm-hmm. and we're always kind of adjusting to the reality around us. And so you, you may, unless you journal it, you may not register that your sinuses have cleared up or you're not waking up with a headache every day or you're going to the bathroom a lot more easily. <laughs> And every day, maybe twice a day or even more. Um, so if you're not journaling those things, you, you they might just slide right on by. They, they might escape your notice. But it's great to journal those so that you can celebrate your progress. I think that's the other thing I'd say about getting started. People beat themselves up for not being at the destination. They say, well, I want to lose 20 kilos and I want to be 100% plant-based and I want to get off my blood pressure meds and have a normal blood pressure all by myself and I'm not there yet. What's wrong with me? As opposed to saying, okay, that's my course. Like I'm just going to set that on the GPS. Like, you know, when you hop in the car to go somewhere you've never been. And so you set the GPS to say, okay, this is where I want to go. And all you, all you need for that GPS to work properly is it needs to know where you are now and it needs to know your destination. And, and, back in the old days we used to have street directories remember those and and you'd have to figure out the whole route along the way and it was and it was tough whereas now you just kind of program the gps and you just go right i'm going to drive and you're not saying oh my god do i have to turn left at this street what what if what if i what if i take the wrong turn because the gps will just say you know in 500 meters take the third exit on the roundabout and so all you're paying attention to as you drive these days is what is the very next step that I need to take to get to my destination, okay? Whereas when people are here and they want to be there in lifestyle terms or in health terms, they're forever saying, I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. Oh, it's so hard to get there, right? So just know where you want to go have some kind of vision. It'll change over time. That is the difference with the GPS thing, right? Because people get different ideas as they go along and that's fine. As you evolve as a person, your idea of what the destination actually is will evolve too. But just take the very next step. What is the next step? The next step can be taken the very next time that you open your mouth to put some food in it. 
you know, if you just make the decision, I'm not going to go down to the corner shop and buy a, you know, deep fried what's in a jigget uh, the, the, for the very next thing that I eat. The very next thing that I eat is going to be a banana or I'm going to eat a salad, you know, like a proper salad <laughs> um, with vegetables. <laughs> it, it, just the very next step. That's all you need to focus on. Right. So have some idea of the destination in mind, but but rather than mess your own head up with how far you are away from your destination, just focus on the very next thing that you need to do. That's also helpful because when you go off track and you will, you know, everyone listening that you will go off track. That's just being human. That's being an imperfect human in a world in which it is very challenging to live healthfully. Alan Goldhammer, I mentioned before, the co-author of The Pleasure Trap, he has this saying that I, I use a lot. He says, we live in a world that is perfectly designed to make us fat, sick and miserable. And lots of people profit, lots of organisations profit from you being fat, sick and miserable. So it's, it's hard to reconfigure your life in, in order to live in such a way that, that you have a healthy body and that you make health-promoting choices in a world that really wants you to be fat, sick and miserable so they can make more profit off you. Just being completely cynical about this. Um, so when, when people make not-so-very-good choices, they, they get into this mindset of, oh, no, I've messed up. I can't do this health thing. That's for other people, but I don't have the willpower or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not whatever enough, I don't know. Um, none of that is true. All you need to do to, to get back on track is just, it's like the very next thing that you do. Let it be something health-promoting. Have a sip of water. You know, get up off your chair and, and walk around the office and, I don't know, go to the water cooler and do a couple of squats or something. Just like the very next thing that you do, just choose for it to be something that supports and promotes your health. And that way it's, it, it's kind of like, you know, because, um, you know, sometimes even when you have a GPS, you still sort of miss, miss the cue when you go off track. And the GPS doesn't shout at you, you stupid person. I told you to turn right there. Why didn't you? It just sort of does a little reconfigure and it, and it, and it says to get back on track, you know, you just need to turn right here and then go 500 metres and turn right you back on path. The GPS never says you're an idiot. You're never going to get there. I don't know why you even bother. <laughs> it just figures out how to get you back on the road. <laughs> exactly. And it really, um, this morning I spoke to one of the other speakers and we were talking about not living in the future. And this yeah. reminded me of that, you know, because yeah. That's a similar thing. We live too much in the future because that is where we want to go. So let's focus on that. But we forget that we're over here. You know, yes. and we forget that when you're present and you just take that one step each day, then that mm. will bring you closer to where you really want to be. And if that changes, if something shifts, then you can change what you want to create. It's not set in concrete, right? 100%. 100%, you, you, can, you can change, yeah, you can definitely change that destination. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and you probably will. Oh, yeah. That's yes. part of the normal process of human development. Um, it's interesting that, that you, you raise that point about the future because when we're thinking about what our goal is, we imagine how we'll feel when we get there. But the me that's imagining my future goal and achieving that is not the future me. 
Mm. I'm going to be a different person by the time I get there. And that's why our goals can change over time because every time that you, that you um, make a choice, uh, that you decide to go for that walk or, you know, drink the water rather than the soft drink or whatever it is, mm. that's, that's sort of very subtly changing you. It's, it's quite literally changing your brain. It's changing the, the neuronal firing patterns in your brain. And, and as you change bit by bit by bit by bit by bit, as you develop as a human being, uh, that that idea of what you want in this in this future that's going to change as well, and, yes. and I love that. Like, let's just embrace that. Exactly. Um, so it, it's great to have goals and aspirations, but just recognize that that present you is imagining that you'll feel a certain way when you reach that goal or destination. You can't possibly know that that's how you'll feel. Yes. Yeah. And you know, and because we we have those different experiences, and and we. I see it as up leveling because the more you experience and the more you, you, you become present, you're being leveled up, you know, your, your energy changes, you shift, you, you tune into the highest states of being and therefore that can shift. And mm -hmm. I think the overall destination will not necessarily change or at least the purpose of what, yeah. why you want to reach the destination doesn't necessarily change. But it's how you're going to walk that path. Yeah. Will yeah. as well. Yeah. I think I think too the process is just getting clearer and clearer yeah. about how how it is that you are going to serve. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what is it that you that you bring mm. to the world, to other people, to animals, to the environment? Yes. And that process of up-leveling, I love that term, by the way, um, and, and basically developing your spiritual connection is, is just getting clearer and clearer on how you're meant to show up and serve. Yep. Yes. And, and again, I mean, this, so, and the foundation of that is having a strong, healthy body. So oh, it's, not some sort of, it's not some sort of... Um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's not selfish to have a concern about your health. It's not vain. Um, yeah, I'll admit, you know, people often do have a vanity motive woven in there. You know, they want to have a bikini body. Like I said before, I'm not averse to that. I think if you want to keep going with this, you, you need to end up with a motivation that's a bit more inspiring than that, but it's fine as a way to get started. Um, but yeah, the, the, so, so it, it, it's not, it's not puerile or beneath you to invest in your health. It's actually the necessary precondition for you having just the physical capacity to, to live a life of service mm -hmm. so that you, you can bring your spiritual gifts to the world yes. and utilize them to the fullest degree. Oh, absolutely. That's wonderfully said. Wow. So what, what, is the, what is the one thing that you would like to share with the audience that they can perhaps use, implement or try out themselves? Yeah. I, the one thing that I, I, I want to share first up is just to say, I said before that change is hard. Um, 
I guess I want to clarify that by saying change is hard because of our thinking. And if you do focus on just the very next step, it gets a lot easier because you're you're not thinking about, you know, for the rest of my life, I can never eat cheese again. You're just thinking like for the next bite of food that I eat, it's not going to have cheese in it. Okay, that's manageable. So yeah. I would, but, but my, my piece of advice would be choose one thing, one thing that is going to make a measurable difference in your life and just focus on that. When people start uh, getting tuned in to to health, Mm -hmm. they will often subscribe to all sorts of different newsletters and they'll join various Facebook groups and they'll end up on a social media feed of this and that and the other. And they're constantly getting bombarded with um, ideas about what they should do. You know, you should get off gluten. You should, um, you should do intermittent fasting. You should do high intensity interval training. You should drink alkalized water, like whatever the heck, whatever the trendy thing is. Now you should do a cleanse. You should and people just get like oh what should i do what should i do there's so many things to do just pick one um highly leveraged action that you can take and start there yeah so if you know that you need to get more physically active don't spend the next three years trying to figure out what pair of running shoes you should get or whether you should enrol in CrossFit, or whether you should do more cardio or more weights. Just get the most comfortable pair of shoes that you own on, get outside your front door and go for a walk. That's it, folks. The most natural form of human locomotion. We call it walking. If you've been sedentary, if you haven't exercised in ages, just get your shoes on and go for a walk. Mm. And then do it every day. Okay, do it every single day. So whatever behavior, whatever highly leveraged behavior you choose, say say it was was food. In that case, I would say, you know, pick something like every day I'm going to eat a large raw salad or every day I'm going to eat, you know, um, a large serving of of green vegetables. I'm going to eat some broccoli or I'm going to eat some kale or whatever the heck. Just do that one thing every single day. Now, let's go back to the walking thing. So after a couple of weeks of walking, you might notice that you feel stronger Mm -hmm. and feel faster and you might decide, I'm just going to run from, you know, to the next telegraph pole and, and then I'll walk again. And then when I catch my breath, I'll run to the next pole. Or you might decide after a couple of weeks of walking, this feels pretty good, but, but I've noticed I'm not as flexible as I like. I might look into, you know, joining a yoga class or even just doing a YouTube yoga video. Look it up. There's heaps of them. Ditto for, you know, just eating that one salad a day or eating a big serve of broccoli every day. After you've been doing that for a couple of weeks, you're going to be noticing you feel better. Maybe your taste will already have changed by then. That happens. And then you kind of go, what's next? So back to the levelling up metaphor that you used before. But just pick that one thing and don't nitpick about it. Like if your diet right now is a total mess, if you start off the day with a coffee and wash down a donut with that coffee or you don't eat until 3 o'clock and then you go and get a, you know, McDisaster meal with with the works um, and then you you eat a pizza at 9 o'clock at night, don't even, like, don't, don't, don't try to start with the idea of intermittent fasting. You just need to stop eating crap. 
<laughs> and eat some actual food. Now, if you want to fine tune it further down the track, knock yourself out, but start with the highest leverage move first. Yeah. Okay. Just stop eating crap and get some plants on your plate. So keep it simple. Be consistent. If you do have a day when you don't walk, or when you don't eat your salad or whatever. Remember, the, the next thing that you eat or the next thing that you do, make it a health-promoting thing. Hmm. So there's um, people often talk about falling off the wagon. I watched a great video by Howard Jacobson and Joshua Jorney the other day where they talked about, you know, there is no wagon. There isn't something that's trundled off and left you behind. That's, that's just a story that you tell yourself. You just made... A not very good decision and all you need to do to course correct is the next decision you make make it a good one yeah fantastic that is awesome advice awesome advice <laughs> i love it and a good I hope that helps a lot of people <laughs> very good reminder fantastic thank you thank you thank you robin for your wonderful time your amazing experience and wisdom i'm sure a lot of people have absolutely enjoyed this conversation I, I have enjoyed it so much. It, it's like we really went down deep today and yes. it's, it's great. There's, yeah, I hope this really does make it just a lot more straightforward for a lot of people to, to take care of themselves better. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. So thank you again. My pleasure. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to yet another inspiring episode of Connecting Soul Beings podcast. I love receiving your comments, stories and feedback as they are truly inspiring. So please take some time to comment on this episode below. If you love the show, you can help us by sharing and liking it via your favorite podcast platform and our website. And if you feel that we can work together in helping you to connect to your inner self and the animals, then hop on over to biancaderose.com or find me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram under Bianca de Rose. Thank you again so much. Say hi to your pet from me and stay connected with love and grace.